Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. It's early 2002. Tom Brady wins his first Super Bowl. A sober Tiger Woods wins the Masters. And Michael Jackson receives the AMA Artist of the Century Award. And this is now Volume 9. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Now and Again. This is now Volume 9, and ladies and gentlemen, get the party started. It's a Nico episode. Pop the champagne. Hey guys, what's up? Uh, you're the most requested guest, Nico. I mean, you're on the most, too. Am I really? So, yeah, I mean, when you're on the most, I guess people just are expecting you to come back, so maybe that's why. People people love the Nico episodes. Hey, that, that makes me feel really good. I, I have a vast knowledge of music pop culture, and I just want to share it with all of you. And that's not anything against all of the other wonderful guests we've had. It's just that you know, Nico and I have a chemistry that goes back many, many years and a really dumb pop culture lexicon up in our brain places. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, when when you're a little weird, and I know I've touched on this every episode, so can you tell I have issues? When you're a little bit weird, you, you kind of like, oh, but look at all the ways I'm adult. And, you know, you, you, like try and, you try and be mature. And what you and I had was a love a love of adult culture as kids. So while this, these records, these now records span a spectrum of youth to adult where they have the songs aimed at kids. And then, you know, the end gets a little bit rock, Mm -hmm. you know, we still related to all of it. We still, you know, or at least claim to, I specifically remember having conversations about Cheryl Crow's, the globe sessions in seventh grade gym. And I just think looking back on it, we were probably in the minority on that record in our gym class. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a lot of things that if you went back in time and told like a young me that, that would like things that would happen in my future, like 15 years down the line, I'd be like, no, that's stupid. But if you told me like you and Nico would be talking about pop music on a podcast every couple of months, first I would say, what's a podcast? And then I'd say, oh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, future technology where you get to just speak your feelings. I don't know. I actually really think one of the best things is these now I, I said it, I think both again. Uh, episodes I've been on, these really do make me re-examine periods in my life, and I'm occasionally been like, "Why am I so emotional about that time?" And I'm like, "Nope, yep, I understand now." Well, I guess that's that's a good segue into where were you in March 2002? March 2002. So that's um, our sophomore years. Sounds right. Yeah, we're like six months away from <laughs> September 11th. The world has changed. Um, but personally, where are you? I'm literally in the darkest period of my life. <laughs> Everything was the worst. I was a monster. Uh, I was I was trying to date all the wrong people. Yeah, no, I was. That's a uh, March 2002. That puts it sophomore year, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Nope. I was a uh, I was a big asshole. <laughs> uh, I was I was like, ah, oh, man. I mean, everyone was a big asshole in their sophomore year of high school. I certainly was, too. That's probably part of why we stayed friends. You know, I pretty actually, I do actually think that sophomore and junior year, thinking about it, that was the acceleration of our friendship. Yeah. Uh, digesting this culture, this really unique period in uh, pop culture history. As a matter of fact, I think one of the things we're going to get to when we start talking about this record is we're going to start noticing that a lot of the tracks on here, uh, while many of them are forgettable, some of them sadly forgettable, I am looking at you, City High. Um, it's cause that's a great song. Everybody should know it. Um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about some songs that are still kind of cultural lexicon. Uh, this record is actually 
kind of got some tracks on it. It's got some forgettable ones, but the first four are pretty much some of the most, for me, memorable, sampled, kind of used music on things. This has to be the now thus far, and it's a good one to kick off the new kind of season of, of Now and Again because it's it's a big transition point in pop music, but also it's probably got... Maybe I've said this before. I feel like I have because now is so uneven. But I feel like this has some of the highest highs and the lowest lows. Yeah, no, this is seriously... This is definitely me after a hard winter. It's... <laughs> this is... Yeah, the the lows here are pretty hard to watch. Yeah, and, and on last episode, we we went to, from some... We went from saying, now has finally turned it around. They're figuring out how to get great rock music on there. And I think spoilers for episode two, I don't want to speak for you, but yikes on the end of this album. Um, <laughs> you know, I actually, <laughs> it's actually like the most forgettable songs by each one of those artists. Uh, and the mission section, uh, spoilers again for side B preview party is, uh, it's going to be going to be pretty good. I think we're gonna have a lot of discussion on that one. Plus we'll be uh, doing something special uh, in lieu of the Rap Genius section. We've kind of stepped away from Rap Genius for a couple of months, but we've had some fun. I, I've, I've truly, I, I'm actually so excited about what that piece is. I, I actually really love that I get to be part of it. I, I love this job, this, this, this getting to talk to you about the pop culture that we absorbed as children and now look back on fondly as adults. Yeah. And this, I think you mentioned before that this was kind of the acceleration of our relationship, of our friendship, and right about now is really where we start kind of just absorbing, I think more me absorbing yours than you absorbing mine, but like absorbing each other's music. This this is starting right here in 2002. Yeah, you know, I think this is where I got pushy, and I was like, are you trying to tell me you don't listen to Michelle and Diggy Cello? How can you consider yourself a person? I think because this was a really great time in music, and I, I hate to put it this way, but um, it, it does seem like great art comes from times of great turmoil. Politically speaking, 2002 is a pretty heavy time. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I think, you know, the the weight of heavy politics leads to the, the counterbalance of extreme... Uh, of, of 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 new art of of inventive art of exciting art uh and i think you know i'm not saying i am not saying the war in iraq inspired i'm a slave for you but i am saying <laughs> that there is something to be said for heightened <laughs> art in a time of political unrest oh man well you know what if we get a ludicrous comeback during the trump administration administration it will all have been worth it yeah, man, I I gotta be real. I actually love Ludacris. We'll get to that though. Yeah. God, just stop me! I can't do this. I can't do this in order. Well, as I said before, let's get the party started with Pink's "Get the Party Started." This is Pink's first canon appearance on a Now. She showed up in the emissions with Lady Marmalade, but she's been around for a while. This is not Pink's first big song. No, not even remotely. I would say it's Pink's first very Pink song, though. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Would you like me to do that ridiculous Nico thing where I put in a hysterical amount of context? Uh, I, uh, before you do that, and you can just correct me here, because the, the song that I most remember her for, or at least the first time I remember hearing Pink, was uh, the song There You Go. 
And there's just nothing else Great job. in Pink's discography that's like that. And I feel like... Wait, pause. There's a whole record of that. Well, it's yes. a record called You Can't Take Me Home. She was signed to LaFace Records, um, I believe. And she was, you know, I believe from... It, it's actually in the song... Um, I think Don't Let Me Get Me. It's actually the lyrics. L.A. Reid told me I could be a pop star as long as I change everything that I mm. am. Instead of letting me be a rocker girl, they forced me to be a pop girl like Britney Spears. And look, she's beautiful, but stop it. That's not who I am. Every time you make me be that, I fight against myself in the mirror. Don't make me be this thing I don't want to be. It seemed like it was really uh, an image-based thing. Like that song, that album, didn't seem like it was... Uh, whatever Pink's real name is, it seemed like it was this character that some studio people created. Alicia, I almost said Alicia Masters, and I'm like, no, that's that's the Thing's girlfriend in Marvel Comics. Um, Pink Pinkerson. I forget. (laughs) Uh, No, actually, you know, here's the thing that sucks so much about Pink not having necessarily super loved her first record. It's phenomenal. I don't know what else to say. I actually really love that record, uh, but I do agree Misunderstood is, is, a, is a, a vastly superior effort by a vastly stronger artist. Um, is You and Your Hand off that album, or is that after this? Much later. Okay, because a song about uh, telling someone that they're going to be jerking off tonight instead of having sex with them is, is very pink, in my opinion. Oh, 100%. But can we please talk about how if you bought this now for Get the Party Started and you got this version of it, you would be devastated? Yeah, it's – so I didn't listen to this version because – What? Yeah, I I broke the rules. Uh, Sometimes I break canon when it comes to the remixes. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Okay, I think the – we need to pause. You need to listen to this. You have no idea what you're not aware of right now. Oh my god. So let me start with... Oh, wait, wait, hold it, on. I'm actually going to insert... Um, wait, I'm going to listen to it real fast. You really have to, man. It's You have no idea. You have no idea how bad it is. Okay, I... Oh, wow. Oh, no. But wait, oh, get to the no. re-recorded vocals. Get to the re-recorded vocals. Oh. Oh, whoa. This is... Um, so, like I said, I broke canon by not listening to the Sweet Dreams remix featuring Redman. Uh, holy shit, it is something terrible. <laughs> did I, I did I exaggerate in the severity of my reaction? No, it's in, like, a different key. It's slowed down. It's... Ooh. 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 <laughs> this is painful. Um, so that's... The, oh, that that is true. If you bought now to hear a good pop song, you got, like... Punished. The worst mashup thing in history. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, I think, I think one of the things is Pink's misunderstood. It did make her a cultural phenomenon. They did make her pink. You know, she she. It's, I'm not saying by any means that she's never had another successful record, but I know the record after this had a little bit of trouble. Haha, <laughs> that's a joke because it had the single trouble. Um, Ew. Uh, yeah, and then she had you know many more many more hits. I mean, she's had a career that's been since we're in eighth grade. Yeah, but this yeah. Is, this is, this is the record that we all know her for. We all know get this party started, you know, like that's every tone deaf dad at every bar mitzvah can do that. 
such a, a recognizable song. There's um, um, there's like there's a funness to it, but it's this very like frenetic two thousand one ness, and the music video also really matches that tone. And it's perfect for 2001 because, like, it's pretty decent but also really obnoxious in its own way. Yes. It's – it's so Iron Fist just came out and I I couldn't help but notice how 90s it is. Oh, really? Yeah. It feels very syndicated in the 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's just not maybe the best made – okay. What else can I compare it to? Because uh, I just had an example – Okay, I'm a really big Melrose Place fan because I unironically like trashy drama, and I was showing my husband the theme song to Melrose Place. He then didn't know the theme song to 90210 either, and now I showed him the first one where it, you can't even believe it's the same show. But then, of course, we get to... And, like, you know, you get to the theme song... And it's all like, you know, them just like turning and looking at the camera and like a Sears backdrop. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Um, that is the most 90s fucking thing on earth. If you've never seen it, you need to watch it. It It is 1992. That's all you You just need that and RuPaul's uh, supermodel. And you understand <laughs> 1992 pretty thoroughly. Yeah. And yeah, in that same way, like just the fashion uh, the 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 frantic pace of the video, how it's got these really weird jump cuts and fisheye lenses, like it, this video is so two thousand one y, and she's she's dressed like she's like both, a raver girl. She's dressed and she's acting like Seth Green's character in Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> Love it, very accurate. Yeah. So, do you have anything else to say about this song? Just good job, Redman, finding your way onto a now. Oh man, that is that. Oh god, that remixes so much i just assumed they were gonna cut in a sample of sweet dreams into the song and then like red man would have a verse but holy shit dude i am telling you it's always worth it to check the remix (laughs) yeah i mean because what happened was on the last episode we got the regular ass jenny from the block i'm real and accidentally, both Pam and I I'm just listened what to... what you get is what you see, yeah. what you're trying to do to me. If yeah. you... No, I can do it. Yeah, fuck, but, don't fuck with me, man. I love J-Lo. <laughs> Pam and I just accidentally listened to the murder remix with Ja Rule, which is the just... The way you yeah. walk, the way you move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we don't always do canon yep. on this show when it comes to the remixes, and uh, clearly that fucking Red Man thing is why. Um, but it, you need... But you're not experiencing the now... You're experiencing your own then. That's fine with me. <laughs> let's, uh, speaking of fine with me, let's go to uh, Britney Spears' I'm a Slave for You. I loved it then. I love it now. It, it's, it's a really cool song. It's, it's really it's bold. It's different. It's one of those things. It's a piece of art that's been dissected a thousand times. It's, I'm about to compare I'm a slave to you to something else I can't believe I'm comparing it to that Warhol take on the Rihanna's attack images that has been dissected a million times it's that (laughs) it's a it is the sweatiest music video I've ever seen that's for sure this and smells like teen spirit yeah it's I feel like there was this you know there was a very obvious arms race between um, Backstreet and NSYNC I feel like the arms race between 
like Brittany and Christina was a little less blatant, but I feel like this is like the dirty slash I'm a slave for you like round. Like they both decided to just make these sweaty, gross, like overtly sexual music videos. I'm not I'm not I'm not calling you a meninist or anything, but I think you just said that women weren't forced to compete against each other as hard as men were. And Oh no 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 to jump in. No no more what I'm saying is that like I I specifically remember them bringing like InSync and Backstreet onto like TRL to kind of like shit like maybe like quote unquote friendly shit talk like each other's music. And I don't remember that happening. I don't remember them like carting them out there to be catty towards each other, which is a good thing. No, they were they were forced they were body forced and body shamed against each other. Right, and that shows in both of these videos. Don't get me wrong, like absolutely. It's so hard to talk about because Britney Spears' career took a much more direct path and Christina Aguilera's career took a really weird path. And then in the background there was my precious Mandy Moore and Jessica Simpson and Hoku and all the rest. But Britney followed up um, maybe one more time with, you know, the exact same album again, but in a red cat suit. Yeah. Um, uh, oops, I did it again. Ironically titled, it's the same record. Um <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is the third record. This is self-titled Britney. I believe that's correct, yeah. And then the one after this is so good, and it's In the Zone. Oh, In the Zone is a great record. Toxic. Toxic, yeah. Oh, it's such a great record. Oh, but anyway, um, this one, this one was, this was the one produced by BT. See, every episode I'm on, I can bring up BT, and nobody can fuck with me. Mm. Um, So she followed up album after album with, with more music, but Christina Aguilera did her first record and then she re-released it with a bonus track and then she re-released it with a different bonus track like they swapped out the radio version of what a girl I'm sorry the album version with of what a girl wants with the radio version with the raised key and the additional high notes um and they swapped out come on over with come on over all I want is you which was the yeah. radio version and the superior song anyway to get away from the redundant Max Martin feel that um Britney had. So Britney released two albums in a row that were very Max Martin formulaic while Christina was so desperate to have her own sound in a good desperate, not a bad desperate, that she re-engineered her debut to be less generic and less like both of Britney's albums, which was really interesting. At the same time, she did a Spanish language album, right. Reflejo, um, which featured a handful of her English tracks in Spanish, like Genie Atrapado and... <laughs> Una mujer, instead of what a girl wants. <laughs> because she is one-eighth Ecuadorian, you know. Well, that's obviously enough. And then Against Her Will, an album of her earliest demos owned by some former producer, was released Just Be Free. The space between her debut and her follow-up of Stripped, there was a tremendous amount of growth for her as an artist as well. And I know we're talking about Britney and not Christina, um, but this was the first time Britney had the opportunity to make her own statement. Uh, and, but what's interesting is she made the same statement and sync did working with BT to get a new, more bold sound. Yeah. I think it's a great song. I think the song stands on its own. I think time has been less favorable to the song. Yeah. I think it's because it doesn't have as much of a hook as a lot of 
Britney songs, a lot of pop songs in general kind of do. It's not as singable. It's uh, it's more danceable, and I think those songs it's are remote, of their moments. It's not remotely singable. No. Oh my god, it is not remotely singable. Speaking of things that can't remotely sing, everybody's heard Britney not auto-tuned by now, right? I've brought it up <laughs> enough times. Of course. That has been in many a show notes. It has, right? Oh, and it'll be in this one, too. Thank God, because, I mean, she really... Alien! It's really amazing. Um, yeah. You know, I actually do think this is a, a great song. I, I I think our parents wouldn't... I mean, not my parents, as I've said before. My parents were terrible enablers. But I feel like many people's parents probably were like, no, no, stop listening to the harlot and slut. Stop, stop. She's, she's, a, she's, a, she's, a, she's a harlot. Stop it. She's a slut. Yeah, you know, this music video was, you know, the set of Gossip Girl before there was a Gossip Girl. She did her own thing here. Um... I do think it shows in in regard to I want to look something up really quick. September twenty fourth, two thousand one. What was the the Britney album? Yes. And Christina's album was October two thousand and two. Oh, interesting. So that's even what I'm trying to say. There was so much time between Christina's records that Britney released two more records before Christina got out her second. So, wow. So she really was playing catch up in so many ways. I guess that's that's why I guess, like I said, I think, like I said, when when you're comparing the two, which inevitably happens, like when it comes to just like sweaty fuck songs, like those are that and dirty are like the the ones that come together. Pun very much not intended there. Um, yeah, no. But and, uh, it, th- they do. Yeah. They just seem it's crazy that she still dropped that so much later. Yeah, that's. But what's crazy is she was working on the record for so long, and I'm not saying by any means I mean this. I, I don't. I'm not implying I've read this anywhere, or it's even a theory I have. But she was working on it so long that if a demo of "Dirty" had leaked, Britney would have had time to respond to it. Mm. Like she was working on "Stripped" for so long, "I'm a Slave for You" could still be a response to hearing Christina's getting sexier. Right. And Christina did get sexier in "Lady Marmalade." That was her. That was her D. Snyder look. Period. Yes, that was when she decided that she was going to... She looks a drag queen. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Just the look. It's very much copying drag culture. And you brought up a, an interesting point that I want to I want to continue that strand of. You know, Britney is obviously... We've talked about how micromanaged she's been her entire life. Do you... How much of this video and this song and the production... How much do you think is allowed to be in her hands? Whether it being, I want to do the lyrics, I want to do, I, here's, I want to be, have a part in the production, I want to, the pink thong over the jeans is my call. Like, how much of this isn't just management micromanaging? I think, uh, I think, okay, so I'm going to make another weird comparison and I'm going to do the thing that Nico does. Define Madonna's sound. You can't. Madonna's sound is repeatedly transforming as needed, record to record, always coming up with some new and inventive way to showcase herself. It's always her. She's always in charge. A man does not tell Madonna what to do. Mm -hmm. Madonna fought like a fucking monster to get up from where she came from. She earned her fame. Britney was a child. Right. She was literally a goddamned child on the Mickey Mouse Club. And she stayed in the stratosphere. 
by the time she got her orbit back into it, she was, what, 16? And, you know, there's been such a short period of time where Britney Spears has been out of the spotlight. And, and as such, when she lost her mind for a short period of time, hey, we all go through it. Mental illness is a real thing. Yep. She has never controlled her own career in a proper way. It's really hard to say what is and what isn't Britney's own decision because Britney so rarely legally had custody of yeah, her career. Exactly. No, and and I'm just I'm just curious if if you think this departure in sound, this more mature, this very very, uh, I I'd, I'd forgotten just how um like it's it's a it's a sexy as hell music video. Yeah, it's 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 a real a real fuck fest. It's a real thirsty jam. Um, it's all a real fuck fest. Yeah, um, in the gay community, those films are made by Falcon Studios. Oh, good to know. Um, so, but do you think that she had? You know, any of that direction was hers? Did she, do you think? And again, we're just spitballing here. Was she the one who said, "I want to get more sexual"? I'm a I'm a grown ass woman now, or was it someone behind the scenes saying, "You're going to get more sexual now"? A little bit of both. I think that's probably, if I had to guess, yeah. What happened first? The artist was told they need to evolve, or the artist decided it was time to evolve. What determined that the person was going to try hard? The results from the focus group or trying to get a focus group? What determined how she was going to handle her sound? Was she going to let Christina push her around by setting her own agenda? Or was she going to push back? And who, you know what I mean? It's it's so hard to even figure those things out at like yeah. omnisciently because there's so many factors. A case can be made that because Britney legally has had such little control of her career, she's always been on a trajectory that is out of her control. Her trajectory is a response to other people's decisions. Quick aside, what the hell is the snake video? Because I really thought that was this and then, then no snake showed up. It's not a video. It's the live performance of I'm a... Oh, really? Of, okay. Oops, I did it again. It's a live VMA oh, performance. Right. I'm just uh, I'm just mixing up. I got my brain soup all souped up wrong. Um, but I think <laughs> you know, talking about what identity is in pop music, which is such an impossible thing to really discuss as lay people. <laughs> uh, I think that segues really well into Mary J. Blige's Family Affair. about it because this record is killer i mary j blige is a fucking goddess and she'll she can she'll she'll fucking knock your teeth (laughs) i just i feel like the choreographed dancing in this video i just feel like she should have been like she shouldn't have had to do that at this time well let's let's contextualize this record so so mary j blige is like better than you and that's you should just accept that she released what's the 411 mm-hmm. in and she she's overcome so much she's overcome incredible i believe i want to say drug addiction i believe that's correct i believe it was drug addiction she released in my opinion the most recognizable dance hook ever like not ever, but of of its era. In ever. what like song the, is that? Real love. Oh yeah. Bump 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 bump. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That rhythm 
we all identify like that new Jack sort of kind of vibed out R and B. We all recognize it by that. And we all know real love and you know, the different parts and you know, when to do the slide. It's, it's, it's Mm. just such a part of our, our, our pop culture, our pop music culture. And it's an early appearance by Puff Daddy on the charts. And it's, it's back when you were allowed to call him Puff Daddy. Yeah. No More Drama was Mary J. Blige's statement that she was here and she had conquered her problems. And in so many ways, it was a statement that she was – and I, I hope I'm, I mean this – I hope this comes across the way I mean it. And if I'm out of line, please censor me. But this was the first time she was like, no, no, no. I am a woman who is a black artist, but I will not be written off as a black artist. And she wrote like just such out-of-control killer hooks and she – she not only helped create what is the R&B sound of the 90s, but here she said, okay, and real quick, in case you forgot, I'm Mary J. Blige, and I am the queen of R&B soul, and I'm going to tell you what dance music is going to sound like for 10 years. Because I felt like no matter what station I turned on, that station played some edit of this song. Yeah, I mean, this this song was everywhere. This song is, it is a song that I somehow just kind of forgot about for a long time but as soon as it came on and I was going back through this I was immediately like yes fuck yes and uh, I, I will say the only thing though was no more drama in our lives the one thing I will say is that when it started before he showed up in the video I was like god damn this beat is so Dre as hell and of course if, yeah. if there's ever a beat that you think man this beat is really Dre it's spoilers it's just fucking Dre yes that is that is always the case there's a couple of things if you have to ask yourself, is that is that is that a yep? That's a Missy beat. Yep, 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 yep. Because these producers, like and Timbaland, Timbaland he's another yep. one where their 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 music is so inventive. It's just this side of impossible to copy. Yeah, them. Timbaland's exactly who I was if thinking you, of. If if you think it's them, it's probably them because they're so unimitable. You know, it's like. I'm trying to remember uh, Max Martin. Max Martin is a great example. If you think you're listening to a Max Martin song, I promise you you're listening to a Max yeah. Martin song. If you think you're listening to a Dr. Luke song, I promise you you're listening to a Dr. Luke song. And then you should turn it off. <laughs> yeah, get your money back. Support Kesha. Free Kesha. You know what was interesting? I've never heard Lady Gaga cite Mary J. Blige as an influence. But in the video, Whoa. like... The 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 black getup she's wearing with the flat the wig it's it's like Lady Gaga fifteen years before Lady Gaga well I guess like ten years before Lady Gaga existed like you would show that to a kid today and they'd be like why is she dressed up like Lady Gaga you know not just Lady Gaga but oh no all of R and B like yeah. I, I wasn't trying to overstate the significance of this record when I said it's going to dictate what music sounds like for 10 years. Mary J said it was cool, so it was cool. And I don't know if it was just music was ready to break and R&B was ready to take over the radio 24-7 or what, but Mary J said nah. I've said it a million times. It's sometimes tough to talk about the songs that are super good. It it speaks for itself in so many ways. And if you're like me and you just kind of let this song slip through your pop culture cracks over the last decade or so uh don't get back to this song get back to this album it's all killer no filler beginning to end beginning to end um but i i, I kind of can't wait to get to the next song because i have a really clear memory of our of a, of a very good friend of both of ours about this next song Whenever, forever, 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 forever. 
So, uh, one of the greatest people to ever exist is a guy named uh, Aldo, and he's just the best. And um, he and I were talking one time, and I said uh, something about, oh yeah, I really dig Shakira, because she had just come out with her English language albums. And he was like, oh, right. You heard of her after she became Cracker Shakira. Oh, Okay, explain. For for those who don't know that this is not just Shakira's... She hasn't just emerged from the ocean to the pop music shores as in the video. So Shakira is, is a phenomenally talented artist with a significant following all over the world thanks to her incredible Spanish language back catalog. By the time Shakira came to the US, she was... A, like, I don't think... How do I explain this? Shakira releasing music in the U.S. didn't make her a worldwide phenomenon. It made America know who she was. She was already a worldwide yes. phenomenon. She's the soccer of pop a- music. Yeah, no, for real. Football. And she's actually done the um, the World Cup song. She yeah. Waka Waka Africa, right? That's right, yeah. Um, and I, Nelly Furtado on this one also did a, a World Cup song. She did um, Forza. So, uh, yeah, for the Portugal team. That's right. Yeah, funny little thing there. Pop connections, but oh, you know th- this song. This song has something. This song being her first English language single, uh, occasionally comes through in the lyrics. Uh, it has one of my favorite that- lyrics of all time uh, because I can't Luck- believe it's in a radio pop song. Um, because lucky that my breasts yes. are small and humble, so you don't confuse them with mountains. It's- Do you see how I knew exactly <laughs> what you were going to say? It's such like an honest and real lyric but it's at the same time really clunky and it's just shocking <laughs> thematically like and just it's in an american pop song like i can't believe that it's there i don't hate it at all but i'll never forget it i guess that's the sign of a really great or a really terrible lyric and i think this is both yeah and you know it, it so i i say there's a few artists that do this specifically jewel and shakira come to mind they're artists that sound like like young children and also goats. <laughs> yeah, they, they do sound like they have permanent like uh, wah wah pedals on their voices. <laughs> la, 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 la. I'm at. <laughs> so ridiculous. How far? Why did you turn her into evil Kermit? <laughs> because I couldn't stop laughing. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. My favorite thing is a friend of mine saw a friend of mine. Um, I worked with this wonderful woman. I can't I can't say how wonderful she is enough. Her name was Marie. Uh, <clears throat> excellent boss. And she was a really big Jewel fan. And I forget if she said this was on a live DVD or if she said it in concert. So I don't want to say that my friend was at the taping of Storytellers, if that is ultimately where this <laughs> is from. But okay. she said one time Jewel was uh, said in concert. Uh, yeah, why didn't anybody tell me I sound like that? Like, if I had known I sounded like a goat, I wouldn't have done it on so many songs. Why didn't... It wasn't until I saw it in a magazine, and I was like, I sound like that. I think of Shakira and Jewel, because, you know, it's the whole, I'm at your feet, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's... She sounds like a, a baby and a goat, yeah. and that's no weird combination in an American pop song. It is. It is crazy to me that the that kind of warble in her voice, which I I don't, I guess it probably would vary from song to song, and we'll see as as I revisit Shakira. She's again kind of someone who's just fallen into the the, 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 the folders. Yeah, I 
think that's a song that's not it's gonna pathetic. It's sardonic. Work it's sadistic and psychotic. Tango's not for three. Was never meant to be. But you can try it, rehearse it, or train like a horse. I mean, her grasp on English at this point in her songwriting craft is not great. Um, but you know what she does have? She has a grasp on her image and working a camera. I think this video is a pretty good double feature with I'm a Slave for You because it features two women who are very similarly dressed who are, like, they're owning the camera. Uh, they're they're hypersexualized. They're splashing around in waters and muds and things. And Shakira, like, this is her first American song, and a lot of people might think this is her first song, but you can tell she's been doing this for a while, and she knows exactly what the fuck she is doing. There's a reason that I called her a worldwide phenomenon and not a famous pop star in a bunch of countries she uh yeah she, i mean like i don't care if you don't like shakira she's a fucking badass she goes on that list of gaga of beyonce of these of these unstoppable uh, performers i i feel like i'm leaving out men but i can't think of them michael jackson freddie mercury I can't think of a more recent man who who could bring it like these women can. Um, Bono. Yeah, when we get to the Bono song, and I say my my moderate distaste for U2, except for the song One, which is really funny. I like one song by U2. Which song is it? One. Which one? One. Which one? Ironically, there's a cover of One by U2 and Mary J. Blige, and it's really good. I'm sure she elevates it like crazy. She certainly goes crazy. I'm trying to I'm trying to come up with more stuff to say about wherever whenever uh is this is this the best Shakira song? Um not remotely. It's not even close. Is this the best Shakira single? You're a B-sides machine, so I'm sure you could come up with uh, 5 or 7, but No, it's not even my favorite Shakira single. I I think Shakira is a really uh dexterous songwriter. I don't think she gets enough credit for her her ability to weave pop melody. Even if you don't love her performance. I mean, if you listen to the lyrics to "Underneath Your Clothes," the next single off of this record, I think this record's called "Dirty Laundry." It's a pretty spectacular. Record. She says, "You're a song written by the hand of God." Don't get me wrong, because to you this might sound a bit odd. Like, yeah, you know what? That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. But it's absolutely how I feel about my husband. It's I don't think of God like that. God, no. But you know, it's it's that kind of power, and I think Shakira has a really deep beautiful uh, powerful back catalog give a listen to the singles like even the silly stuff like she wolf i really dig she wolf yeah she's just a great performer and a great singer songwriter but if you're gonna listen to only one record by shakira in your entire life and you do not make it mtv unplugged you are a fool oh okay i'll i'll link to something from that in the show notes i uh, i didn't know she didn't unplugged oh my god it's spectacular it's all in spanish underneath her clothes the song i'm excited to revisit and i hope it's on here because i've don't remember it, but I remember Underneath liking it. Underneath your clothes, there's an endless story. Yeah. Why is she a witch? <laughs> uh, but I, because if my I try to... impression is evidently several Muppets. Yeah. If if I try to hear that song in my head, though, I just hear the Gwen Stefani "Underneath It All" song. Ugh. So I wanna I wanna get the Shakira song back in my head at some point. I want you to get the Shakira song back. This is a, this was a pleasant revisit, and I'm really happy this song held up, and uh, Shakira is super cool in my book. I quite agree. I think she's one of the most talented performers we got. It's a pretty goofy video, I will say that. The uh, 
the ridiculous green screen is uh we've complained about green screen on this show before in music videos it was such a thing around this time every artist is fucking phantom menaced but except I, for janet jackson who has them build water world <laughs> uh all right janet well shakira ja- janet jackson is the kevin costner of divas oh man. <laughs> well let's go on to another diva jennifer lopez with ain't it funny did you listen to the job rule one again i swear to god christopher um, I listened to both this time. Oh, okay. Thank um, God. I was like, dude, you need to hear this flamenco pop number, man. Right, be- because there's two there's two videos, so I ended up watching both. Um, I think, again, I like the murder remix more. 100%. I thought the weird sepia tone and, like, telenovela style of the, uh, the other video kind of, like... It was a worse song and it was a worse video, so I just went with the, uh, the murder remix. I think one of the things about this era in time in music, um, and I mean, you, I guess you see it as recent as um, Mariah Carey's 2009 release, um, Memoirs of an Imperfect Angel with Hate You. I, I just, I can't think of anybody else who does it. it it's just, they're not remixes. To call them remixes is to understate the level of work put into re-engineering, re-recording, rewriting, reproducing, and coming up with an entirely new song. Yeah. Ain't it funny, baby, you didn't want me when you had me, love is crazy, I'm glad I can smile and say ain't it funny, is not the same cho- chorus as ain't it funny how some feelings you just can't deny and you can't move on even though you try. They're not the same song she says oh i wish this could be real like this they're just two different songs with the same title and in some ways i actually think this era in music pretending that these two songs somehow share some sort of identity is reductive of the works yeah i completely agree you brought up mariah carey and it's like you take the two heartbreakers like you can see the 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 dna like those those are kind of the same song remixed, but like this is more like ignition versus remix to ignition where it's just like the they're, they're you're right they're completely different and i feel like it's almost a disservice to the songs it's 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 silly to even think that this is the same i'm i don't know it's it's ain't it funny sorry not i'm real because it's the same well, thing the same thing did. yeah where it's even the same team it's it's ja rule and it's a. Uh, it's a throwback chill mix and like, you know, you get the shoulders going and you're moving your neck a little bit and like, mm-hmm. and they just sound nothing like the other songs because I actually think I'm real by Jennifer Lopez is actually a pretty great song. Like the real one. Um, I like it a little more than ain't it funny, but uh, the song is just, oh, fine. Yeah. the song is just fine. Uh, I realize now that when I'm on the show, it kind of runs like a, like a, uh, references section on a wiki page and less like a review of a now i'm real sorry no no that's fine that's what the people like but you mentioned that this song is just fine and i feel like we are hitting the biggest stretch of just fine that we've done on a show like this before like this is the food desert of now and again there's a um, few standouts but yeah this is a woof this is this yeah. is this is disneyland in 1990 this is this is some yeah. this is some tragic kingdom up in this piece. This is bad. Let's let's gear up for this. Let's steal ourselves a bit. Uh, the Jennifer Lopez song is fine. I prefer her when she's doing more dancey stuff than when she's doing ballady stuff. I think that's more of her wheelhouse in her performance. 
One time Rosie Perez said it was really easy to spot Jennifer Lopez, which fly girl she was on A Living Color, because she was the one that was always off the beat. Rosie Perez is a queen and nobody can say bad things about Rosie Perez. That's that's the last thing I'll say. I saw uh, Rosie Perez was... Um, the choreographer. Oh, I know, I know. She was... Um, I love Rosie Perez uh, from a slate of her, her movies in the 90s. She's um, so tremendously talented. She was the female lead in uh, Larry David's play Fish in the Dark when I saw it. And I, I went to see it just for Larry David. And it was such an awesome, pleasant surprise uh, that Rosie Perez was in it. And it was fucking great and amazing. Uh, she's awesome. Um, uh, also, if you've never seen Do the Right Thing, um, what are you doing? I know this is a pop music podcast, but come on, son. It is. It's. I mean, if you don't, if if you don't have a fond appreciation for Rosie Perez, I literally don't know how to talk to you. Uh, let's go from Jaw Rule to Jaw Rule. Jaw Rule featuring Case with "Living It Up." This song for a song called "Living It Up" and a song about how awesome you are and how much fun you're having. This song is kind of boring. What? That's the whole song. I swear to God. That chorus is... I've never felt a chorus just go on as long as it does with that few words. Except it does have that... My life for you. That part, that like kind of cool transition out before, you know, more... <laughs> ja Rule. It's, yeah. it's sometimes hard for me to take Ja Rule seriously. Why is that? I think he sounds a little funny. Yeah, so he's... I feel like he's trying to be tongue-in-cheek, but he has DMX's voice, and DMX's voice is just serious. And does he really... Is that really his voice? I I mean, it's the voice he's going with. It's all like, we have. Because, like, I don't know if you've ever heard Scott Stapp speak, but Scott Stapp speaks like everybody's electrician uncle. And then when he <laughs> sings, he sings like this... And, like, I don't know where it comes from. It it's comes from Max... his jaw. Uh, what's his name? Um, Rob Thomas. Mm. He sings like that. And, like, he talks like a person. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I don't know what goes into, I guess, the producer or their the image they're going for, what goes into the affectations that people decide to, to roll with. It doesn't work for Jaw Rule, though, for me. No, it doesn't for me either. And just especially compared to, like, that kind of raspy, growly hip-hop, like, you can't help but go straight to DMX, and it's just like, that is so much better. And because it's, it's, it's the, it's the, I'm trying to... DMX also has songs that are tailored for that voice, and Ja Rule tries to do other stuff that doesn't work. I kind of I don't know a better way to put this to censor it if you need to, but it's kind of like if you got a big dick, fuck hard. It's <laughs> I kind of don't know another way to put it. Um, yeah, but it, it kind of comes down to this powerful voice that's being used for nothing. Yeah, exactly. Also, this music video has Pauly Shore in it, so I, I mean, what are you doing? You're setting a real tone with that, buddy. My favorite Pauly Shore joke is from Biodome, and it's. Um, they they replace Spider Man with Iron Man and they sing Iron Man Iron Man does whatever an iron can. 
That's not bad. And I think that's marvelously funny. Ah, marvelously. Um, I guess that's all I have on that song, seriously. I just have that I I think it's really fun to jump in with the chorus when it comes on in the car, which is never. All right, let's go from a song that should have been more fun than it was to a song that is exactly as fun as it should be. Welcome to the show, Ludacris, with Rollout. Tell me who's your man and how do you smoke so good? You're a superstar, boy. Why you still up in the hood? What in the world is in that bag? What you got in Every song by Ludacris is amazing. If you don't think every song by Ludacris is amazing, you don't understand how amazing Ludacris's flow is, and you don't deserve to listen to it. Oh, man, the flow in this song. He just... He is very, very smart with how he builds his songs. Every time he drops just an incredible verse, it comes right after he repeats a line twice. So, like, you're you're drawn in, you're paying attention, and then he follows it up with this just this killer verse. It's so smart, it's so clever. It keeps the song's pace for the entire four-minute duration. I so badly wanted to know how to do um, his part of Gossip Folks that that's why I can speed sing now. He's just a phenomenal rapper. I'm sorry. The guy is just awesome. Um, what TV show was he just on for me? Was it Empire? It was Empire. Yeah, he played a prison guard on Empire. Oh, okay. He's, I mean, he's not an incredible actor, but he takes roles that are exactly what he should be doing. Um, we've talked about... His agent should talk to Rihanna. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, just, I heard she was just on uh, Bates Motel... Or whatever, like, that seems incorrect. We've talked about on the show how, like, no matter like no matter what industry it is, uh, we're, and, and this doesn't count you, this is everyone else, because we know how much you love Mandy Moore, but everyone else is just very happy. More than anything. Everyone else is just very happy Mandy Moore still exists. Um, and, like, Ludacris... What the fuck? <laughs> Ludacris... Made, I mean, no, we're, we're glad that even maybe the music thing didn't work out. She's got her show, and that's cool. Um, that's true. Ludacris kind of doesn't... As far as I know, I mean, his albums aren't getting major radio play anymore if they're coming out. I don't know. But he's a really fun part of those really fun uh, post-rock Fast and the Furious movies that don't stop coming out. I think Ludacris uh, found a way to mix legitimately... He's really honest, but he's also really charming, and that's a really hard combination. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, and I think it is because... He knows that what he's doing and the way he's doing it is inherently ridiculous, and he owns it super well. And he makes it sexy, and he makes it funny, and he makes it charming. He's the guy that you would let get away with being the class clown in your class as much as you'd let him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. His lyrics are consistently straddling the line between, like, clever and, like, vulgar, but always funny. Always at least... That always at least makes you laugh, and you know what? Always actually tongue in cheek in a way Jaw Rule never quite exactly. Oh, uh, the the line in here about like just just having a naked chef because it's a hot girl and she can cook you food. It's so stupid, but he pulls it off <laughs> because he doesn't make it about the vulgarity. He makes it about the the excess of the character. Yeah, like uh, a chorus, and that's not this song, but a different song. A chorus like "Move, bitch, get out the way" shouldn't work, but it does. <laughs> move yeah he's 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 just got such great narrative to his work too um you know and it's really funny to say he's got great narrative because i feel like people don't realize that story songs really are cool and they just went out of style in the 70s because there was a few too many gypsy tramps and thieves and (laughs) um cats in the cradle 
Or songs about the working man, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> Down at the mill. And, um, yeah, I just, I think Luda does a great job. And I think this is one of the prime examples of where his music became instantly recognizable. Yeah. Um, like I said, welcome to the program. And I hope, I hope he sticks around. I feel like R. Kelly's kind of, for musicians that understand what they're doing and use that to do it really well we might be at a point where r kelly's kind of coming off of the nows and i'm very happy to replace him with Ludacris because uh i'd rather laugh and Ludacris is cool and hasn't peed on anybody i was about to be like because you know r kelly's like find me a go to piss on and Ludacris is a little bit more like i gotta piss on girls and like that's the difference Lude is great happy to have him here uh, Mr. Cheeks, I think, is just coming for a cup of coffee with lights, camera, action. I'm going to be really honest with you. I, I listen. I look, look, guys. I literally haven't had to listen to a song for the first time, I think, ever before this one. I've known the obscure songs on the other ones too, and there I, I have a list somewhere. But God, some of the songs that you've covered with other people, I don't understand how they're on nows. Yeah. I don't understand how they're in ASCAP to be licensed to nows. But that's neither here nor there. They don't have Wikipedia pages. Nothing about some of them have Wikipedia pages. Yeah. The artist, one of them had an artist that didn't have a Wikipedia page, yep. and I was like, that doesn't make sense. It does not. So this is one of those songs where I'm kind of like. I like this song called Coco Jumbo by Mr. President from like 1998. And it's just like a fun little dance song. Yeah. It's a good little dance song. It's a silly little dance yep. song. That from 1998 more deserves to be on this <laughs> now than this song. This song's fun. Uh, it's got a couple of good lines, a couple of cute references. Uh, it's got a it, fine hook. It No, no. It, it, it repeatedly references Miss Jackson by Outcast. Yes, which is not an old reference. That's like... That's like a year old reference, maybe not even, uh, which uh, is is pretty silly, but it really it really be, dates your music. I kind of want to be like it's sort of like if um, in Eddie Muddy's "Take Me Home Tonight," instead of being like "Just like Ronnie said, be my little," if instead of he was like "Just like Nina said, ninety nine <laughs> balloons," it 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 wouldn't be the same oh, hit man. it is now. So I, I I do think this is that I, I literally have nothing else to say on this song tap. Uh, I actually would like it better if it was just like Tony said, oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Uh, I would prefer that version of the song. Petey Pablo, raise up. <laughs> North Carolina, come on and raise up. Take your shirt off. Twist it around your head. Spin it like a helicopter. Everybody knows the words. Uh, this song is hype as fuck. This song's this song's awesome. And if you don't think this song is awesome, you don't understand. My sister and I used to literally imitate the helicopter movement to simulate excitement <laughs> in places. I don't care that I'm a little white boy. That this song was this song was fucking killer. This song still is killer. You can play this at a basketball Hell game, yeah. and everybody gets the fuck on their feet and takes their shirt off and twists it around the head and spins it like a helicopter. And what's really funny, and I know I referenced it last. I think I might have referenced it last time, but "Go Kindergarten" by um, The Lonely Island. I know what you're talking to about, but I don't think you you referenced it. 
it's it's just this funny little song like most Lonely Island and by the way Andy Samberg is the funniest sexiest man in the world I don't understand how he's so funny and I don't understand why he's so funny but it works for me I find him just hysterical and it's a song where he's like where they they just sort of give instructions <laughs> to the people on the dance yeah. floor and it's like it starts pretty normal I don't I can't think of what it is but it starts like you know dance with your friend basically and it gets to whip your dick out <laughs> whip whip your dick out and the hook is Robin the most killingest pop star on the planet explaining that we know some of it might sound strange but don't think just obey <laughs> that the music take you away and just do everything that we say that's how i feel about this song i'm like yes take my shirt off twist it around my head spin it like a hell i'm gonna accidentally garrot myself <laughs> trying to do this but it's worth it if they don't play this at tar heels games what the fuck are you doing what you if they can't get the rights i don't know but i'm with you on the fact that it should uh, exist um speaking of the lonely island isn't every song of theirs a song that starts normal and then goes insane uh no <laughs> I'm on a boat starts about being on a boat. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Have you seen the Michael Bolton special? Dick in a Box is pretty much about having your dick in a box from the beginning. No, it doesn't start off about like romancing your romancing your girl. Uh, anyway. Um, but it starts out ridiculous. It starts out with them doing a bad Jodeci impression. Have you seen the Michael Bolton Valentine's Day special that's on Netflix? No. And my oh, husband is mad that we didn't. It's really good. Maya Rudolph has a song that is my everything. <gasps> nope, now we're watching it. Maya, Maya Rudolph is all I need. Oh my god, oh. Maya and Marty is one of the funniest damn shows. I hope it got renewed. There's this amazing sketch. Guys, please listen to me. If you take one thing away from this, you need to go on Hulu and you need to watch The Earth versus The Land from Maya and Marty. It is an amazing piece of musical comedy between Maya Rudolph Keenan Thompson, who, you know what, good for him. 30 fucking years of celebrity. Good for him, man. Mm -hmm. The guy has worked his ass off in television to be where he is. Mikey Day, who um, is just so beautiful, to be honest with you. He's so handsome. And he was great on Wild and Out, and he's great as a writer on SNL. And Martin Short. And it's just an amazing piece of musical comedy that goes horribly wrong, like actually goes horribly wrong. Like they don't control one of the flying people properly at one <laughs> point in the live broadcast and you need to watch it. And um, yeah, no, you got me. I'm going to watch it. I just, I think the world of Maya Rudolph, I think uh, Maya Rudolph is amazing. When please, please, um, when, and as, as we isolate the audience entirely, uh, when you watch that and once you've seen Maya Rudolph's song in that, please just text me immediately. I need to know your snap opinion on it because I think it's like, it's a game-changing moment for me, just in in music and in comedy. I have to be real. Kevin and I actually think that about Maya Rudolph most of the time. Honestly, uh, we we actually like we joke about how many of our life quotes are Maya Rudolph quotes. There's this there's this amazing sketch between Maya Rudolph and Shia LaBeouf. Oh my god! Yes. About and yes. Kevin and I frequently say baked cereal and Shia, you make me feel like a schoolgirl. <laughs> yes. I'm going to, I'll watch anything with Maya Rudolph. I literally think she might be one of the most, she just live performance on TV. She just, she steals the show every time. Yeah. She's effortless. She's charming. And I love that she's uh, Minnie Ripperton's daughter. Yes. A lot of people don't know that. She might not have her mother's vocal caliber, but she has such beautiful stage presence that at the end of um, the last four or five Maya and Marty, uh, which was an SNL summer fill-in, basically, mm -hmm. uh, by all the same writers, 
They did a We're So Glad We Got to Spend This Time Together as Carol Burnett musical number at the piano, her Martin and Keenan. It, yeah, it's you got you, you got to watch what you can of it. It was what's funny is incredibly funny and what's awful is incredibly awful. My Rudolph comedy songs are better than like four or five of the songs on this now. Uh, probably more. Easily. Four, four or five on this half of this now. Those of you listening, if you take away anything from this, um, watch a lot of the stuff that Maya Rudolph has done. Listen to The Lonely Island and watch the Michael Bolton Valentine's Day special. All of it is uh, a really funny way to spend a couple of hours. If it, yeah, just no, for real. Just just get yourself a good. Get, just get yourself an eighth. Just <laughs> sit back and just, <laughs> and just laugh with her. She's pretty too. She's charming. It's a good time. Uh, speaking of an eighth, City High, Caramel featuring Eve. Uh, it's better than the last song that City High had. I'm the kind of girl you love. I'm you. my kind of guy. Think about it, you just Everything I want. I love this song. This song's great. I don't even remember. I know City High has been on here, and I can't even remember what the name of that song was. Um, what would you yes, do? Yes, there we go. Thank you. I just keep wanting to say, Where's the Love? Uh, this song's really hot, I think. Um, and this is the remix with Eve. The original doesn't have Eve in it. It has three verses instead. This has two verses and an Eve rap. Eve slays it. We talked about this on a previous episode, but Eve fucking kills. She's great every time she shows up. You know, it this song actually uh samples the roots. Okay. Which is cool cuz everybody should reference the roots. It's, you know, there <laughs> Jimmy Fallon didn't discover the roots, you goddamn Brooklynite hipsters. Yeah. I'm sorry, but he didn't. Kind of surprised when watching this that I know City High just kind of dies an ignoble death over like the next year. Um kind of surprised that someone didn't try to give the girl in City High a solo career. I mean, cuz this song is pretty much her featuring two idiots. You mean when she sang Hips Don't Lie and then they cut her out and replaced her with Shakira? Oh, really? So, um, Wyclef, who, you know, actually... So Wyclef has a huge background with City High. Wyclef actually put City High together, if I'm not mistaken, uh, with a little bit of help from his supposedly ex-girlfriend, Lauren Hill, um, who had been in... Sister Act 2 back in The Habit with, oh, and I forget his Whoopi name Goldberg? now, and I used to know his name. <laughs> yes. Just, I don't know if you noticed Whoopi Goldberg in so much of the video for Caramel. <laughs> but um, uh, the young guy, the, 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 the male vocalist, the lead male vocalist um, who's in City High. And when this didn't work out, he actually worked with Nic- uh, Claudette Ortiz uh, on a song called Dance Like This, which he later re-recorded... Uh, his part's almost verbatim with Shakira as hips don't lie. So this is kind of a funny little cyclical thing, this this Yeah. Night. You know, it, the big thing I'm taking from this video, especially compared to uh, what would you do, is that when these two dopes aren't around, City High's not bad. Uh, like, when it's just her, it's kind of okay. The course is really catchy. Um, and she does a great job in both the song and her performance and in the video. Like, it's crazy to me that they didn't really, like, try to Gwen Stefani her and give her a nice little solo career, but I guess they did, and whoops, Shakira happened. Uh, you know, she got Tori Alamazed. I don't know that reference. Um, Tori Alamazed was, like, the the next big thing. She was um, uh, Outcast's female BFF, and 
she recorded this song that the label told her was going to be the biggest hit of her career. It was this sexy, naughty little number. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, she wrote it. And the lyrics were really intense for a woman to be singing at the time. They were, uh, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me? Oh, Don't mm. you wish your girlfriend? And they decided that uh, she just didn't bring the sexy hard enough. They kicked her off her own song. They stuck the Pussycat Dolls on it. And six weeks after releasing her single of it, they released the Pussycat Dolls single of it, which passed hers the next week. Wow, that would make me want to just walk into the ocean. Yeah, no, for real. Tori Alamez is crazy talented, too. It's a bummer. Like, I think you were saying in the in the green room that you uh, you liked this song. I like. I think it's fine, but forgetting it is really fine. You were saying it, it definitely deserves for some redemption. Why is that? Yeah, I don't know. I think because I think it's. I think it doesn't sound like a lot that was on the radio at the time. I think it's got a little bit more '70s soul. You can kind of yeah. hear those traces of um, neo soul, uh, and I've, I know I've talked. I'm sure I've traced the origins of neo soul from Plantation Lullabies to Maxwell's Urban Hangout Suite to songs in A minor and acoustic re. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm positive I've in Jill Scott and you know, and Angie Stone and and The Roots and Look at Me. I could go for days and you know Arrested Development, but like. There was something soulful about this in a way that, that, that wasn't necessarily poppy at the time. It was much more R&B soul, and it was it was still chill and accessible. And it's just a song I remember really liking from MTV at the time mm. that's held up well. I think it still sounds like something that could be produced now, especially now that this whole incredibly chillax, laid-back pop atmosphere is back. Thanks, Ed Sheeran. I think this song actually stands up okay. If it was produced today by somebody for Ariana Grande, we'd be trying to avoid it. Yeah, and uh, if if you want to suggest that it has uh, some '70s roots, I mean, you could even look right at the music video where they're doing uh, a lot of like you know the kind of Pam Greer esque '70s you know strong black female lead video kind of uh, sorry movie kind of like trailer parody thing throughout. And uh, again, it works, and and the 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 girl owns it, and it's just yeah, it's it's weird to me that they uh, that she didn't have a solo career, uh, but you know, just one of those stories of the terrible musical industry and uh two ships passing in the night etc etc i'm so ready for these last two songs i can eat it all right then let's just roll right into it i think we're gonna have an interesting discussion about nelly furtado's turn off the lights We have a history with Nelly Furtado, but I don't, I don't like, like this, this song, song that much. <laughs> Freaky. I okay. So I expected to have uh, us to have like extremely vastly different opinions, uh, but strongly different opinions. But I can't believe we've kind of both settled on the same. Just meh. Nah, if you want to hear a better version of this, play Baby Girl. Like, go listen to Woe Nelly. Woe Nelly is actually a great debut record. She did a phenomenal job. I mean, I, I love every one of her records. I'm so excited for her new record that drops on Friday. I think it's a really brave departure. I think a lot of it's really emotional. I think she's a genius. But anyway, back to this song. If you really want to listen to this song and you want to hear the better version of this song, put on Legend. Put on um, I Will Make You Cry. Put on My Love Grows Deeper. But this song, this particular one has the most juvenile 16 year old sort of lyrics um that girl you know she acts so tough 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 the girl she acts so rough 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 you know i actually think the hook is really the hook is super killer follow me follow me follow me down down like that's that's so goddamn hot but 
her high notes have never been her strongest point, and the what it seems mm. is a little bit traily. You know, when you think about songs that Nelly Furtado kills it on, it's "I'm Like a Bird," it's it's promiscuous, say it it's right, say it yeah. right, it's do it. It's these songs that are a little bit more um, a, a balance of of sexy and 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 vulnerable. There's 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 sexy and vulnerable to all those other songs. Even "I'm Like a Bird's got some sexy to it because um, she doesn't. She kind of moans, your faith in me brings me to tears, you know, but this song doesn't have anything sexy to it. This song no. is just kind of like a 16-year-old yelling at their parents. I mean, it's uh... Even even musically, just comparing this to I'm Like a Bird, there's so much more going on in that song. This song sounds like, if you played the music of the song for me, like, and you were like, who is this? I would be like, Incubus? Yeah. Like, it's just an acoustic guitar and a turntable, and it's not doing anything interesting. Every other song on this record is better. Uh, Shit on the Radio was a really underappreciated mm. single. Um, yeah, every other song. Sometimes I can't figure out why the single is the single. Um, sometimes I think they go out of their way to like sabotage records with bad singles. I'm sure there is some algorithm somewhere in a private back room where there is some guy who is the human equivalent of Data from Star Trek. No, I am sorry, but I believe the best choice for the next single... <laughs> But this is but this is terrible. Uh and then they put the emotion chip in him and uh they actually make good singles. But actually to kind of wrap things together um into this weird Chris and Nico story, there's a great book by Malcolm Gladwell called Blink, uh which is about, you know, the kind of the science of first impressions and snap decisions. And one of the chapters in that is about how singles become singles and it's often heavily focused groups and it comes down to like the first 15 20 seconds of a song and a chorus and the artist that's profiled in that is an artist um who i've become a big fan of but he's kind of just disappeared um named kenna coincidentally uh when nico and i saw nelly Furtado, opened for nelly Furtado. Yes! Sorry. Very excited. Didn't mean to step on your story. You should tell the end of the story. I'm an ass. No, no, that's it. Uh, everyone check out Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, and especially that chapter. Um, I think it's called The Kenna Effect, or just Kenna's album, Make Sure You See My Face, which is incredible. But yeah, so I think it, it, it came down to this, that the chorus is very singable, and it's, uh, it's a crowd sing-along kind of thing, and... But the lyrics are so clunky. Of course you know if are. I should lick my wounds or say, woe is me instead... God damn it. What eighth grade English class did you write this in? Do verses really matter on the radio, though? It's just waiting until the next chorus. I disagree. I mean, I disagree, too, but... A super hit has a killer chorus, has a killer verse. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree with you. I'm just playing the, uh, the cigar-chomping record execs devil's advocate. You're just playing, you're just playing turn off the lights advocate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad that... I'm glad that this song was a big hit because it gave us Nelly Furtado, but like... No, her first... Her, her big hit was, um... Her first big hit was uh, Like a Bird. It's the one that won her the Grammy. Okay, I, for some reason I thought that that came after this. Uh, that one came first. Okay. Well, good. Um, I'm, Like I said, I mean, this song existing <laughs> is probably best for Nelly Furtado, uh, but yes. Yeah, I'm glad uh, she made uh, money. However, the next song is the best song by this band ever, and I will physically fight anyone. I don't want to argue. I would just slightly disagree um but you know i think it's a perfect candidate for a redemption because i don't think a lot of people remember the song it's gone by insync you were acting so strange mm-hmm. 
Maybe I was too blind to see that you needed a change. It's it is it, it is it is it is the it is such a beautiful example of their ability to harmonize. It is such a progressive piece of music for them. It's a really different take on their sound. Um, I think Justin gives a really phenomenal performance. I do think I have a couple of problems with the structure and the lyrics of the song. If you're going to say, I'm trying my best to be a man, don't whine it. Hmm. Don't say, I'm trying my best to be a man. Don't do that, Justin. Don't Has do that. Justin Timberlake ever not done that with his voice, though? Like, that's just kind of the timber uh, of his voice. I liked that a lot. Um... Yeah. I, 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 you know what? I do think he can give a really clean performance. Look at, um, okay, I, I know what you mean. It's when he's going up for that, you know, when he's going up, it kind of like a whine. But like, then don't do it to that word. Don't make it try my best to be a man. He does those beautiful runs though. Mm. At the end, when it is the, 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 oh, I, I just, I, sometimes I get self conscious singing on this show because I naturally, that you can ask anybody. Mm. I sing when I speak. I'm that guy. Guys, I, it's not that I'm annoying because this is a podcast. I'm generally annoying. Also, he doesn't usually turn every singer into a Muppet. It's really interesting because you can kind of use one impression for several singers. You can kind of get like Neil Young, Cher, Scott Stapp, and Eddie Vedder all in <laughs> one kind of this. <laughs> like, hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think Gone by NSYNC is just, it's such a, it's, it's, there's no hook. There's nothing catchy about this song. It's raw. It's emotional. It's honest. I'm not saying it's gloomy Sunday, but I'm saying it's real. It's got something to say. And I think that's worth listening to. I think that's really cool. You know, we were just talking about how it took Britney, I'm sorry, it took Christina as long as it took Britney to get to two albums to get out her second record. Mm-hmm. And and Sync kind of did the same thing. This was on Celebrity. This was on their third and final album as a band, not counting third, their yep. Christmas album. But hey, if I can, for one second, uh, a lot of artists did actually take the Christina Aguilera detour, if I can point this out for a moment. Um, Hanson released um, yeah. <clears throat> a Christmas album, a live album, a collection of their indie albums as like a special edition album. Um, I believe they had one other record in there that I can't think of exactly. I think it was an MTV Unplugged 7-track EP. Um, <clears throat> and uh, they took that sort of weird alternate route. And Sync... Ac- were you on the episode... Sorry, real quick. Were you on the episode where we had a surprise, like, post-Mbop Hansen and were kind of, like, surprised that it was good? Or it existed, even? I was not on it, but you're talking, I'm sure, about uh, this time around. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hundred percent. I actually, you know what, Hanson are actually talented dudes. Um, you know, this time around is a pretty good record. I really like uh, a couple songs on it. Um, they've had subsequent albums that are pretty cool. They've just settled into sort of cool, fun, average rock. You know, like they're they're just they're cool. Yeah. Um, you know, sixth grade me wants to beat me up for mm-hmm. making him look like a dick, but. Uh, a lot of artists had this. Uh, NSYNC also kind of had that weird r- r- route. They had um, a Christmas album, which in and of itself, I, I don't always understand big deal, big push Christmas albums. You know, Tori Ugh, Amos yeah. waited until she had – Tori Amos had done 20 years in the music industry before she released her Christmas album. I think, you know, that's an appropriate amount of time. 
I think everybody's just always trying to have Merry Christmas by Mariah Carey. But if I can make a really interesting point, Mariah Carey can no longer have Merry Christmas by Mariah Carey as evidenced by Mariah Carey's Merry Christmas to you, (laughs) which not as big a deal you might have noticed. This was a brave song. They, you know, NSYNC... And Sync did a whole lot more to grow than the Backstreet Boys. The Backstreet Boys just sound Completely. like shades of the same thing forever. And NSYNC, I don't think this could be on either NSYNC album before it. This is a really adult song, and it's really impressive. And it would have made a great last single for the band. Unfortunately, the actual last single, though, it is with a... It's not them Nelly. alone. It's with a with a guest. Yeah, it's 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 on the next episode. This is This is the last in sync song uh on and now of just them on their own uh, though it is is it girlfriend yeah yeah no it is girlfriend on the next one but this gone is yeah. is in sync being gone from now um because it's just in sync with with nelly next and then you were never going to see them on their own again uh, but like i was saying this is a very adult song and it's also kind of really heavily transitioning into being we've joked about it being the justin timberlake show before but like this is video and song justin's like he's taking the title belt and going on to the big leagues kind of it's dude yeah i think you really hit it on the nose you know when i think about when i think about moments that broke bands like i think about jane weedlin writing our lips are sealed for herself mm. to sing with the Go-Go's because she was always supposed to be allowed to sing some songs to herself and Belinda being like, I don't know. And the record label being like, nah, we like Belinda. She's sexy. You look like a wood nymph. <laughs> and it went to Belinda and that's like the end of the Go-Go's. Yeah. And the next thing you get is, um, I mean, Jane Weedland had some solo albums and I think they were pretty good, you know, but everybody just knows heaven is a place on earth by, Belinda Carlisle because it's got that acapella starting brilliant harmony opening the yep. ooh babe yeah that thing everybody loves it um, so good you know I, I have to imagine this was one of those moments now what's really cool is I believe Justin was the one it was Justin or Lance who confirmed it and the other one backed it up they're actually talking about doing a reunion for their Christmas album huh all full band yes oh you know Justin Justin doesn't seem like a big enough dick to I mean, I don't know if he would do a full nostalgia tour, but like, I, I I imagine that Justin Timberlake sends birthday texts to these guys. I don't think he completely writes. I don't think he no doubts them like Gwen Stefani probably does. Yeah, evidently they're all kind of cool. Um, the bigger problem is like, even the ones that aren't famous anymore are still like pretty wealthy, busy business millionaire kind of types. And um, NSYNC had done a lot of stuff in Europe for a really long time, and. Merry Christmas was their first American recorded album. Interesting. Their first American album is a hodgepodge of their European albums. Huh. So, like Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Same format. Okay. Same exact thing. So, um, the Christmas album was their first album they recorded. So, um, I just think this is a killer track. Yeah. I think this is super underappreciated. I think, I, I think, I think he sings it so beautifully. I think, I think those runs at the end, the... I, I'm not going to do it because it's super embarrassing. I don't know why. I don't know why that's embarrassing. I sing all the time. I don't. Anyway, um, the runs at the end are just and we, terrific. We've we've constantly been going back on the and asking every guest in sync or Backstreet, and it's just it's impressive that in sync's last in sync song on and now is them just like out Backstreet Boysing everything that BSB has ever tried to do in their entire career with one song. 
Yeah, and think about the next thing you hear. I've got to imagine the next now after girlfriend, which frankly is still in the family in the wheelhouse. Sure. Um, I know you don't care for it, but it, it still definitely sounds like what would be the seeds of Justin's first solo album with um, "Rock Your Body." Yep, that's what's coming. Like I love you, which is hot as shit. God, what's the one? There's "Cry Me a River." Cry Me a River. But then there's "Rock Your Body" is the first one, I think. His first single was like "I Love You." The second one was "Cry Me." Was "Cry Me a River" the first song that sounded like that, or was there one before that? I don't. I don't know. I'm just. Po- I'm pretty positive that "Rock Your Body" will be the first JT solo track on a now. Oh, that means they skip too. They they go in weird order sometimes. That was the third single. It came out like a year after the album. Oh wow, that's crazy. This sounds like it could be one of those songs. Is maybe a negative thing in regard to the band. Yeah. This sounds like a Justin solo track. Definitely. Uh, the first the first comment on YouTube is someone saying it should be called Justin Timberlake featuring NSYNC, which is uh, surprisingly on point for a fucking YouTube comment. Because it really is. Even in the video, he's the one who gets to do the, the really awful 50 seconds of like Charlie Chaplin silent film routine at the beginning, which, ooh, God, it's terrible. But he's also the one who has the girl in the whole video while the rest of the band is just kind of moping around the apartment. Like, it really is... Uh, a big I feel like it's a dry run for hit, everything being him just him being solo yeah and by the way the thing I couldn't think of was what goes around comes around it's exactly uh, the same yeah. song as Crimea River yeah, um, yeah and I you know he had four singles from his first album and they were um, Like I Love You Crimea River Rock Your Body and Senorita and I think Girlfriend and Girlfriend? I just said that like the, this chick from an episode of Happy Endings. Um, I think Girlfriend and um, Gone sound like a song off of his album. But I yeah. think Pop, sure, Dirty Pop, sure sounds a whole lot like an NSYNC song. Yeah, that's really, really accurate. I mean, take a look at Matchbox 20's um, album Mad Season, which had Bent and um, If You're Gone and a few others. It was their follow-up to their first big album you were someone like you with push and 3am some tracks say all saw all instruments played by rob thomas wow yeah yeah and then you wonder why the next big thing the but then there's one more album by the band and then it's rob thomas solo project time yeah that's a thing you never want to be like hootie get rid of the blowfish but like sometimes you can see benny pulling away from the jets (laughs) for me i think gwen stefani is like the biggest example of that that we, it's easy to point to because her solo stuff was such a departure. Um, but like she would have been chained down to us, a, a fucking third wave SoCal ska band. Yeah. I mean, can you name one later? Can you name one later? No doubt song that sounds like early. No doubt. No, I mean, I don't know what they did with that reunion album, but I don't think anyone does. Yeah. No one, no one really cared, but um, my thought, not my thought, but my, my point sort of being, Eric Stefani was the brains of the operation. It was all Eric. Eric wrote all the music. Gwen Gwen was an amazing front woman. She's still an amazing front woman. Say what you want about her, but the, she can put on a show, man. Mm-hmm. She's a I'm, monster. You know, I thought it was trending this way for a while, but I'm still shocked that like Paramore Girl hasn't done a full-on solo thing yet. I gotta assume somebody said, nah, you missed your chance. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Uh, also, who cares? Yeah, because none of this is gone by NSYNC. Um, right. Uh, I, this video uh, taught me that 
Justin Timberlake painting a girl's toenails is secretly a fetish of mine. I didn't know that, but there you go. That's pretty cool. There's a sex columnist I love, Dan Savage. Everybody should know who Dan Savage is by now, I think. He created the It Gets Better project. Yeah, all you um, hipsters have probably... And I know he was syndicated on the AV Club for a while. I'm sure a lot of people listening and, to this know him. And I'm sure you might remember in high school me bringing his book, Savage Love, in public places to read excerpts from it about women purposely putting peanut butter on their vaginas to get dogs to eat it off so they'd have an excuse to have a dog lick at their pussy. It's really amazing what I was into reading in 17. 95% of my kinks come from your public, uh, like your car backseat readings of that on trips. I can't disagree with you, actually. Uh, I, I, I know everything I know about sex because uh, Dan Savage told me it was okay to touch myself. But... Um, he got a letter one time that was a guy was like, hey, look, I don't know what else to say, but I got a weird fetish for mermaids because I started jerking off when like Splash came out and now I'm like super into mermaids and like I'm never going to get to have a mermaid. So what should I do? Dan Savage being Dan Savage was like, um, sounds weird, buddy, but let's figure it out. I'm not mistaken. He might have compared it to this or I did in my head. There was a, a, a comic book. The back of comic books had an advertisement on it for a while that was for Old Spice. And it was a really hot dude who was also a centaur. But like his waist and up, he was just a fucking hot dude. And then he's attached to a horse. And I know there's a term in the gay community that I'm, you've, I'm sure you all know about, but size queen. Um, but I can imagine the number of size queens that are going to be born from this incredibly sexy looking gentleman who's also part horse. Now, the image itself is non-sexual, but I think the implication from it is very funny. And the really tragic thing is I know I brought this up for a good reason and I cannot remember why. Oh, well, yeah. Justin Toenails. Justin Toenails. <laughs> in, the, in the end, aren't we all basically half centaur? Just the top half? We're going to run from that joke like Justin Timberlake ran from NSYNC after this. Uh, speaking of safe, sane, and consensual, Nico, where can people find you on the internet? You can totally find me in a bunch of places. You can find me on Instagram at my name, Nico Vasillo, and you can find my uh, super cool comic about uh, superhero hipsters, kidriotcomics.com. That's kidriotcomics.com. And you always forget you always forget to plug this one. Oh, uh, our action duo on iTunes, dude. You know what? It's not that I forget to plug it. I am embarrassed that I forget to plug it. So, um, I also make music. I see. I don't just sing for you guys. Um, action duo. We are on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash action duo, and you can check us out on Google Play Music, iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, all the good places that you can stream, and if you stream 348,000 times, we get a penny. Yay! Pennies from heaven! <laughs> that is the show. Nico will be back for Side B. Thanks again to him. You know where you can find everything now and again related, everything Cage Keanu. Wistful Thinking is the new show, and it's awesome a kind of sister podcast to Now and Again. If you like the show, the two biggest things you could do for us right now are leave a review on iTunes. Also, you can just tell a friend. This is a kind of niche product, so spreading the word by word of mouth is basically the only shot anyone has of hearing this. Until next week with Nico, we will catch you, as always, on the flip side. Phil Collins is next.